This is a VLS production. How about a swim in open water or maybe a ride on a tandem bike? No white cane required. This is blind sanity. Hello everyone, this is Fabrice. Welcome to a new episode of Blind Sanity. This is the week of uh, May the 7th, 2023. We're glad to have you here. Today we have the second part of a two-part interview with Dave Wilkinson. Dave, if you remember, is a guest that we had last week and he um, basically is going to cross the entire country from the west coast to the east coast of the US on a tandem bike, 3,000 miles, and uh, he's, going to, he's going to have to do this in 12 days. He is um, almost completely blind. Uh, in this week episode, we're going to talk about his training. And as Dave is a very active person, uh, he likes to swim, he likes to uh, run, he likes to do some uh, bicycle. He's going to share with us some tips um, in hope to uh, inspire us to do the same. So we'll know a lot today about uh, how to uh, ride a bicycle and how to swim mostly in open water as a blind person. So let's take a quick break, a word from our sponsor first, and uh, well, well, let's move along. This episode is brought to you by Aircane, the only white cane with an integrated airbag system installed inside the handle of your cane. The airbag will deploy and will send you flying seven feet away from any obstacle that your white cane can find on its way. No more stabbing in the belly, no more awkward explanation at the doctor's office for all those bruises all over your body. If you need more information, go to www.blindsanity.com slash aircane. All right, we're back. Um, today we have the Dave uh, Wilkinson. Um, this is the second part of our two-part interview uh, about his journey. And um, for those who missed the first part, I invite you to listen to the previous episode. He's explaining, uh, uh, he explained to us uh, his life story that led to what he's planning on doing next year in uh, 2024 in June. Um, which is, uh, as you probably know already, um, crossing the entire country from uh, west, uh, the West Coast to the East Coast, 3,000 miles in a tandem bike. And yes, he's blind. Uh, Dave, are you here? I am. I am right here. Thank you. Thank you for coming back for a second time. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left last time, 2017. Um, a quick uh, reminder for those who, um, who didn't get that far. Uh, 2017 was not a great year for you. You had an accident, a car accident, and you ended up at the hospital. I did. I, uh, I, I fractured two vertebrae and, and seriously injured two more, all of which were my neck, and uh, which could have been a lot nastier than it was, uh, but it, it put me out of commission for a while, and it, it made me really, uh, it, 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 it put a chink in the armor of, of invincibility that I had always thought sort of surrounded me, and I wanted to get it back. And so I spent a lot of the time when I was, you know, sort of flying around healing, uh, trying to think of schemes to prove that I was totally back from this thing once I was able to, to get up and get going again. So just um, to give a bit more details about that, you mentioned last week that you still suffer a little bit of um, uh, remnant of that accident uh, right now on your uh, right hand, I believe, right arm, I believe, and your back, right? I do. I do. I have the, by far the most frustrating part of it uh, is that my primary reading finger on my right hand uh, is part of my hand that is a bit numb from a little bit of nerve damage. And so I had to do a decent amount of sort of almost relearning how to, to, uh, to read and using my left hand a lot more than I had before. Um, Cause I, I love to read and that was something that was, 
not only important for work, but it's just crucial for, for pleasure and for my life in general. Yeah. Uh, so on the plus side of that hand, I can pick up things that are hot and it doesn't really bother me. So. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and, and, and the blister, um, the third degree uh, burn, what happened to them? <laughs> I don't go overboard, but I can okay. reach into a microwave and pull a mug out that other people would think is too hot to handle. And it just doesn't bother me. It drives my okay. wife nuts. Okay, you you some kind of a uh, um, um, hybrid of what that movie again? Unbreakable. Yeah, that was unbreakable. <laughs> That's good to know. But uh, what's important, I think, for what we're going to talk about is that you have one hand. It's your main. It was your uh, your main hand, right? Right. Well, it was my. It was, I'm left-handed, which is yes. fortunate. But my right hand was my primary. It's my was my primary reading hand, and 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 still is in a lot of ways. But my left. Um, my right hand works pretty well at this point. You would never know when you meet me that, that it has its moments. Okay. Uh, there are some things that I can't do. Like I would never, I would never play with barbells at this point because okay. sometimes my, my hand just drops things. Okay. And uh, that, you know, and, and so, you know, there, there have been things like that when I do weights at this point, I use uh, uh stacks of weights like with 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 cables i can't think like a universal weight yeah. system you know yeah, yeah. um yeah. you know because it's just safer yeah okay so you decided from your hospital bed with all the frustration um that surrounded you to uh do a uh, an iron man um uh which is if i remember well um a whole bunch of running a whole bunch of uh, swimming <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you finish all that with a whole bunch of cycling right it is you, the okay. order. You, the order is a little bit out. You start off with swimming. You do two point four miles of swimming. You get out of the lake or the river or whatever, and you hop onto a bike, uh, and you do your cycling, and then you finish up with a full marathon. So you do okay. one hundred and twelve miles of cycling, and then twenty six point two miles of running. All right. So before we go uh, into each of those three activities, and um, especially the cycling one, we're going to keep it for for the last. Um, how long uh, between the moment you were at the hospital to the day of your first uh, Ironman? Let me give two answers to that. The, I, my injury was in December of 2017. It was October of 2018 that I, that I decided to do an Ironman. Uh, I'd been sort of looking for something. I'd been running and continuing to run since then, but had really been sort of searching for the ideal thing to prove that I was all the way back. Okay. And I was at a dinner in Toronto when the whole idea of Ironman came up and it was just like, I could do that. Um, and from the moment that I decided to do an Ironman, which was October of 2018, it was a year until I did one, which was the Louisville Ironman in October of 2019. So it was a little bit of a drawn out process. There were yeah. some things in between there. I did some marathons and all that kind of good stuff. But to actually get to the point of Ironman, um, you know, it was it was a good year of it was a it was a hard year of training after I I committed to it, and I was already in pretty good shape to begin with. If I had been starting, you know, uh, as a marathon runner, Joe, Joe off the street or whatever, yeah. then it would have taken you know a little bit longer to get into that kind of shape. Yeah. So. Um, we're going to start with the, um, the, first, uh, the first of the free activity. We're going to keep the, the running out of the conversation this time around. Mm -hmm. Next time, we'll talk about um, running when you're blind. Uh, I have a project of um, running a marathon uh, once more this time as a blind person. I used to run them a lot when I, uh, when I had my, uh, my, my, when my eyes were working fine. Um, right. I have a, a billion of questions, especially my running partner, who's a little bit worried. He's <laughs> much shorter and... Uh, and much lighter than me, and he's always worried that I'm gonna either fall into the uh, the ocean and drag him with him. But we'll see that next week. I want to <laughs> start. I want to start with the swimming part first, um, because you know um, you told me and we're gonna have to talk about it eventually that you you did not know how to swim until um, well until that time. And I don't want to yeah. start the interview like a stupid joke. Like, but how do you uh, teach a, a blind guy to swim? I hope you don't throw him underwater and hope he floats. <laughs> no, I was really, um, and, and, and I guess to clarify that, I knew enough how to swim, like to not drown, but I didn't know anything about long distance swimming or swimming efficiently or doing anything other than thrashing around and staying afloat. 
and so what 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 I did, we, we have an aquatic center that's about a mile and a half from my house, and, okay. which was a huge break uh, for me. It has the swimming lanes all roped off um, and they have swim instructors there. And so I called them and I was just like, I'm a blind swimmer, except that I'm not a swimmer. I want to be. I'm trying to get into triathlons. Can you all work with me? And they were very accommodating and we're like, sure, we can do that. And so when I would go for swimming lessons, uh, it was very hands-on. My instructor uh, would take my hands and show how she wanted me to make circles. Um, she would follow me as I was swimming down a, uh, a lane. We would do like kick drills where I would uh, be, I would use a kickboard to stay afloat where you're holding with your hands. And then, you yeah. know, there are times that she would grab my feet and was just like, you know, no, kick a little less, kick a little more. It was it was it was a contact sport um but i can imagine yeah, we what were, kind of uh, what, what style of uh, swimming did you learn the, the... i just learned i just i just do freestyle i can do backstroke a little bit okay um i, I it, it wasn't my favorite because the teeny bit of vision i've got will yeah. usually keep me from plowing into a wall Yes, that was your back. That <laughs> not only that, so well. but also staying on your lane. This is something that I wanted yeah. to talk about. So, um, so she taught you to uh, to swim. So you basically were able to swim with your head mostly above the the water, which allow you to at least hear someone telling you you are. Right, um, but um, when you um, in a in a swimming pool in. And then, um, for those who don't know, uh, when you do a triathlon, uh, it's pretty much what you have available. It's sometimes the ocean, sometimes a lake, sometimes a river. Um, it's it's not a lane. How do you? I mean, there, there's a bunch of buoy. There's a bunch of people um, along the the, the, the <laughs> track, hoping that you know you're not going to drown. They'll, they'll be here to help you. But how do you follow the buoy? How do you know? Uh, you know, you're not veering off to the ocean and never see you again. Um, <laughs> There, there are a couple things to that, and to correct one thing you were talking about, I, when I swim, my head is usually under it is underwater. I, I don't try to swim with my head out of the water. Um, when we were swimming, I would use these underwater headsets so that I could hear my instructor, oh. um, which was fantastic. But to 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 get back to your question about open water swimming, it is scary, and I would be lying if I said anything other than it. It terrified me then, and it terrifies me now. You are tied to another human being. We, are, we were tied at the waist, about six feet apart. And we, I, I, I just, I used, it was real high tech. I got a bungee cord from Amazon and cut it to the length that I wanted and made loops at each end. And uh, you learn how to interpret things like pulls of the rope. Um, you know, if we needed to come up, uh, my guide would reach over and just tap me on the head, you know, to, to, to tell me to surface. But I would spend every, every time I brought an arm back, my left arm back, I would check to make sure that there was some slack in that rope. Um, because if there was slack, then that meant that I was keeping up, you know, that, that we were side by side. Um, and if we needed to turn, he would tug a little bit and I'd be like, okay, we're gonna turn to the left. We needed to turn the right, you know, there'd be a, sometimes he would just reach over and he'd be just kind of like pushed. It was just like, turn that way. Okay, um, so it's, it's a combination of a headphone, a waterproof headphone and a uh, lanyard around your waist, right? Right. Now, when we were swimming in open water, we didn't use headphones. I used those for in, the swimming instruction, but when oh, we were okay. in the, but when we were, because my, my guide is swimming at this point too, so he's underwater, you know? And so it was all a tether and you're, you're tapping on each other. You're pushing each other. Um, it's, it's crazy. I probably had more contact with my guy than I did some girlfriends and relationships in the past. Well, it is, I, I mean, you're, you're swimming over top of each other. <laughs> this is the thing that I, I'm, I have trouble understanding because you, you say, okay, you know, there's different style of swimming. There's one in particular uh, where you can have your head above the water all the time. So it's kind of, easy if both of you guys swim the same way uh, with the head above the water so you can talk but apparently right. you're doing the you crawl or you do some kind of um, um right you're doing the, like the, like you're doing the crawl 
because yeah. it's much more efficient than do- than if you're like dog paddling. Yeah, but you can't um, talk. You can't talk to each other. You most of the time your 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 head is underwater. You don't see anything. Yeah. This is gonna be fun. No, that's right. And it's and it's scary. And the sensory deprivation scared me. Um, and the fact that you don't know where you are, you you know, you're in a, this. You you have no idea where the finish line is. There's no real convenient way to ask where the finish line is. The swimming scared me. Um, uh, what uh, what kind of open water did you try so far? We swam in lakes and rivers. Uh, never swam in the ocean. Okay. Um, but we, we I did a ton of training in the Ohio River, which is close to my house, which is a filthy river, I might add. Uh, and then I did triathlons that were in lakes uh, and in and in rivers, uh, and one that was in this really weird stream canal thing that I have no way of describing other than it was really bizarre and the bottom was very muddy and yucky and so you didn't want to put your feet down. Uh, most of the time, <laughs> most of the time when you swim, you uh, you there is no no way for you to catch uh, the, the the floor. It's uh, it's like ten feet below you or things like that, right? Most of the time, yeah. Okay, yeah. so um, it's not like when you're running or when you do a bicycle uh, a run, you cannot stop on the side and take your and, and relax and then uh, and, and then start no. later. So it's in one way. Uh, how long is did you say that uh, that swim uh, um, is four you four sw- miles? You swim two point four miles, and I'm not a really good swimmer. The fastest I ever swam two point four miles was probably about an hour and twenty minutes. Um, <sighs> Which is okay. It's not great, but it was passable. Okay, but um, attached to someone, not knowing what direction you're going, uh, now yeah. twenty minutes. It's probably a good forty minutes wondering. Okay, am I doing going in the right direction? But that's that's. Uh, is there? I, I never done those. There's no stop, right? I mean, um, you know what I mean. Like like for no. running a bicycle, it's one no. way. That's it. You how many go. people? How many people were running with you at the time? Oh gosh. We did, when I was doing Ironman uh, or some of the bigger races, you would have waves of swimmers and they would release swimmers every 15 seconds. And you could have a couple thousand people that were swimming. Um, And so part of what you wanted to do was to try to make sure that you were swimming with people. There would be signs that said, if you're running, if you think you're swimming in this amount of time, you know, line up here. And we, we always lined up, we were offered the opportunity to start first and, sw- and, and, and swim. I never took it because then I was just going to get run over by the really good swimmers. Yeah. And I, did, and I didn't want to do that. So you end up starting sort of back where you think you're going to finish to limit the, the, the running over, um, you know, and, and, and passing and all that stuff. But you end up, because you've got all these people around you, you get kicked in the head, you kick other people in the head, um, you get elbowed. It is, it, it is unlike anything I've ever done. Uh, all the, the human hands and feet make the water sort of waves. And so it's kind of like a washing machine. Uh, it, it is, it is weird. It's the only way I know how to describe it. So on the, um, when I used to do my marathon, they do the same thing. They ask you what kind of uh, time you expect uh, to finish it. And then they put you into those um, um, right area. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of people that overestimate themselves. Um, and then you have a bunch of, usually the young guys or uh, young girls that train a couple of days before and say, oh, I can do a marathon. <laughs> and they start uh, in the front line. And then after five minutes, uh, they're behind you. Um, but how does it work with a lanyard uh, attached between your two guys? I mean, uh, between you, the two of you, uh, we... do you have do you have a flag? Is there um, uh, something that tells people, hey, uh, there's a blind dude ahead of me or behind me? We had we used very we we it was painted brightly. It, it, it was it was very bright colors. Okay. But the answer to your question is. Uh, a lot of times people don't realize and you you invariably end up clotheslining someone during this thing who try figures that they can swim between you and gets caught up in your your tether and then they're really mad at first and then they figure out that you're tied together um so it's not nearly as obvious 
as when you are on a bike or when you're running that you're a blind swimmer. It just looks like you're two swimmers that are neck and neck. Um, yeah. And people don't see the, the, the tether. Um, you know, I, I asked my guide about it one time and he said, and, and he, my guide had this fabulous sort of BBC British accent. You know, and he was like, oh, people just look at me like I'm a jerk. He didn't actually say jerk, but it's yeah. close enough. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and he was like, you know, once he was comfortable with that, then the swimming was fine. Um, yeah, it's the same. It's the same with me. People are usually <laughs> think, why doesn't he move on a, a, at the cash register? And then they realize, oh, and yeah, the, you know, the, the usual look of shame, like, oh, I'm a complete. Um, um, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, but uh, talking about your um, your trainer, you have uh, not a trainer, your buddy uh, that follows you. Uh, it, you had a buddy for each of the activity or a buddy for all of them? You have to use the same person for all three events. Oh, awesome. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you and find them? I, I found my first Ironman guide. Um, I had been matched with him when I ran the Louisville Marathon back in 2014 or 2015. And somewhere during that race, where it was cold and rainy and miserable. Uh, I'd never met him before, a guy named Mike Hermanson. And somewhere in that, during that race, when Mike and I were getting to know each other as we're running a marathon together, he told me that he had done triathlons, that he used to compete professionally as an Ironman, and that he was a, that he was a, a professional trainer. And so when I decided to do an Ironman, I called Mike and I'm like, I, need, I wanna hire you as a coach. And Mike got interested in this project and he's like, I'll, I'll do it with you. I'll get, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm rusty, but I'll work out and I'll do this with you. And so Mike did my first Ironman with me and it, you, you want to be intimidated when you're doing an, an Ironman with someone who used to do these things professionally. Um, you know, you, you feel very watched, um, you know, cause you know, he's just kind of moving along at a leisurely pace. After that first Ironman, Mike's wife had a, their second child and Mike got out of the triathlon business. And so I needed to find another guide. And I advertised on local triathlon groups. I advertised on, uh, on the, just on the net with on, on Facebook um, with local triathlon groups. And I put a picture of me finishing Louisville Ironman. I'm like, my guide can't do it anymore. Um, looking for someone else would love the opportunity to be able to do this. And uh, if anyone's interested, get in touch with me. And people did. Um, and one of them was this a gentleman named Julian from Indianapolis, which is about an hour and a half from my house. And he was like, I think we can do this. We got together for a bike ride that was windy and rainy. He had never ridden a tandem bike before and the weather conditions were horrible for it. And we had a fabulous time and he was like, I'm in. And uh, so we, we did a lot of different races and marathons and triathlons and all kinds of stuff for the next couple of years. How many uh, time, I'm gonna keep on the swimming for just a few more minutes before we move to cycling. How many um, days a week did you have to train? At the beginning, you train on your own with your um, instructor. And then, uh, I mean, at the beginning, you train with your instructor, then you train on your own. And then after right. that, you need, you need some dry run uh, right. on location with your uh, trainer. How, um, how many times a week or how long did it take to get through the entire process of being comfortable and uh, with your swimming? I swam a minimum of three times a week. Okay. Um, I, most of that swimming was at an, the aquatic center near my house where the lanes had ropes. So if you went too far, you would hit a rope. And so okay. you, you could stay in your lane and I could swim by myself. Okay. Um, I trained in from this, from about Memorial day through Thanksgiving. I trained every Monday night with a law student, this fabulous young woman who was going to law school at the university of Louisville, who would swim with me in the Ohio river for an hour on Monday nights. And uh, she put up with a lot of my, I'm scared of open water terrors and all this kind of stuff. And was just wonderful. And we became very good friends and, I, and uh, found her over the internet. Um, Julian and I 
my guide would get together optimally once or twice a month and we would do long tandem rides and then we would end a, a ride at the Ohio River and we would practice swimming together in the uh in, in the Ohio River for an hour or two okay but at least three times a week I would swim okay all right so last time I saw a triathlon on tv um actually not on tv it was in real life um, I saw a bunch of people completely exhausted coming out of the um the water <laughs> um, and then uh, getting ready for to go for a bicycle at, at this time they usually not um they don't they don't have much shame they don't care anymore they strip them they strip down completely naked and they dress into uh, their new uh, spandex costume to um start run, yep. running and cycle i always thought it was weird but uh, after a marathon um I, I can I can tell you and our listener that I really don't give a rat's ass about what other people think of me, nope. uh, as long as uh, I can get going. So that's well, the whole idea. Can, you, uh, go ahead. We can have a whole conversation about oh. about nudity in general because I'm 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 this is more information than you wanted. But I'm I'm a naturist by heart. I go to a lot of oh, okay. nudist and clothing optional events and stuff. And so ripping my clothes off to put something else on phases me not in the least. <laughs> yeah, and I'm from I'm, I'm from France. We, I shouldn't be that much um, uh, prude, but I found that so weird at the beginning. But then, uh, like I say, after the first marathon, uh, you you just you you realize you don't care anymore. So it really doesn't nope. matter. So you and come really, back from if you, th if you think about it, what is less sexy than seeing a sweaty person who's exhausted ripping their clothes off? There is nothing <laughs> sexual about that. It no, is an absolute joke that somebody especially, thinks that that would be, you know. Especially to jump into a spandex right after that. It's great. I know. It's like, uh -huh. yay, we're all going to be Freddie Mercury. This is going to be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you're done with your hour and 15 minutes of um, swimming. I think we covered the training. I think we covered pretty much everything for the swimming, unless you, uh, you, you, you have something to share with our listener if they want to start um, a swim. Uh, I think we covered everything. I, I will tell you something that it took me a long time to admit that now I tell the world in general, and I've run, an, I've, I've talked to other blind swimmers and this open body, open water swimming thing seems to be a, a, a common fear, both among blind people and among just sighted swimmers. I am not afraid to admit that before triathlons, I would take a Xanax to where I could cope with the swimming. Okay. That's bad. Okay. <laughs> And so All the right. reason I'm telling you that is that if this really gets to you, medicate. It is okay. You can okay. get through this. But it it, it, it it was very hard for me. That's good to know. Now I'm going to move to the big part of um, uh, the whole discussion here is your um, the, the cycling. Uh, first, I'm going to talk about the equipment. Uh, I did look on the internet. Uh, you have crappy and very, very crappy tandem for 300 bucks, and you have very, very expensive one at three, four, and five thousand dollars. Oh my god, you can get more expensive than that. All right, um, so let's talk all, about you, that first. You can spend fifteen thousand bucks on a bike, oh, dear, um, great. like a car. I, ha I have two tandem bikes, okay. One is a crappy one that I purchased for a few hundred bucks, yeah, and then I realized it was completely not going to work. And my, my coach, Mike, uh, found a gentleman, a, a, a lady, and a, a, it was a couple who had a beautiful tandem that they were willing to part with for, I think I spent a couple thousand bucks on it. Um, it was lightweight. It was as lightweight as it could be without being carbon fiber. Um, yeah. And then I bought carbon fiber wheels for it, which lightened it up a little bit more. So I probably spent, I don't know, 3,500, 4,000 bucks putting, putting my bike together. Um, and it, 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 uh, it's a good bike. It is not perfect. There are bikes that are sleeker, faster, uh, et cetera, but it's, but it, it was what, it was what I could afford because in addition to that bike, and 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 it and I guess this is part of when we talk about how you know we're not we're not doing this podcast so that everybody will go out and do triathlons. This stuff is expensive, uh, and it's time consuming. And the reason I'm telling you this is the other thing that I had to buy, um, because you don't have someone to ride a tandem bike with you every day or even most days. I bought a street bike that was a pretty decent street bike that I picked up for seven or eight hundred bucks, um, and then I bought 
a bike computer trainer. Uh, it's a device called a Wahoo Kicker. This thing replaces your back tire and basically you can send training workouts to it and it controls the gears and the resistance on your bike so that my coach could send workouts to my phone. I would then send them to the bike. The bike would record how fast I was pedaling, uh, how much wattage I was generating, all of this kind of stuff, and would then send a spreadsheet back to my coach where he could track my progress and see how I was doing. And those things ain't cheap either. Um, so it was, the cycling was ridiculously expensive. So the, the, the kind of bicycle, you know, you get them the one at Walmart, the, guy, the, the, the kind of Dick, uh, Dick Sport or things like that. Um, at the beginning, you were not too, um, I mean, you were not looking for the, the absolute best as long as it was something that was light enough and that would last um, uh, long enough for the two of you, right? Yeah. And I made a mistake. The bike that I ended up with, which I, I, I just saw as a used bike, and I'm like, oh, this might work. And I think it was 400 bucks. And I'm like, I'll try this. And it, it just wasn't a good bike. Um, and it did, it, um, I still have it in my garage. I intend to sell it at some point, but it's a, it's, it's a, it's a pretty bike. And uh, I've just hung on to it. Yeah, this is the kind, probably the kind of uh, bicycle that you have on uh, in San Francisco for the tourist. Well, it's uh, yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. So, um, so once you get that uh, tandem, you need to find a partner. Um, you again, do. if you have someone that does a triathlon, that's good. You have it. Uh, but if you don't, and on a regular basis, that guy is not going to be available multiple times a day. How many times do you train? Because um, in, in that case, you, you, there's nothing better than experience on the road with that tandem. So. Right. Even if you have that, uh, that um, uh, additional equipment, the more important part for you is the tandem, uh, the, the, the exercise on the actual tandem. How did you uh, manage to get the right person and um, how many times did you train? I would ride a bike with anyone who would ride with me. Um, again, I advertised on the internet using for, you know, forums. Uh, uh, um, I got involved in cycling groups. And even with all of that, I probably at my best didn't do much tandem riding more than a couple times, a couple times a week. Um, most of my cycling was done and still is done using uh, the smart trainer. Um, and that's just because it's, it's, you can do it anytime. You don't need a person to do it. Uh, and I've started doing things like for this race that I'm doing next year, I take it outside in the elements. I set it up on my deck. I just, I, I make it work for me, but it is, it is the hard, it has been harder for me to find cyclists than it has anything else that I've done. Um, and so right now, Mike and I would go out and ride. He was local. When Julian and I were training, we would ride a couple times a month. We would, I'd go to Indianapolis or he would come here. And then I would try to find people sort of in between. Um, but I would bike, whether it was a tandem or the, the trainer, probably four times a week. So not to, you know, belittle the cycling part, uh, but compared to the swimming and compared to the, uh, the, the running part, um, there, there's less tethering. You know what I mean? It's pretty much, um, yeah. if you guys are in tandem, you're pretty much stuck uh, in the back. Is, uh, or she is stuck in the front. There's no <laughs> need to be sure that you're not following each other. It's pretty much the deal there. Uh, so it's easier, I would guess. Um, you still have... Um, do you do you do you carry any sign that tells people you're blind or anything like that when you do those run or um, or it, it, you pretty much blend with others? No, you just blend in. And we were and 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 not to toot our own horn or all that kind of stuff, but we were we are were and I am a very good cyclist, and okay. it made up for the 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 dearth. Uh, it made up for the swimming. Um, I've, I've got a lot of strength in my legs. Uh, Julian was a good cyclist. Um, it, the only thing you have to be careful of when you're riding, when you're doing tandem cycling, or at least the, only, the, the biggest thing that I have to be careful of 
is you have water bottles that are on your bike and you have to kind of reach back between like your pedals almost to be able to grab your water bottles. And so you need to remember to let your guide know that you're about to get a drink so that you all will stop pedaling for a second so that you don't grab your water bottle and then kick it okay. and watch it sail out of your hands. I see. Um, the, the, is there some communication between you and um, the, the rider in front of you? Or do, are you connected with the headset or anything like that? Or, or is it just silent for a couple of hours? All and none of the above. I didn't use headphones. Okay. Um, we would try, we would talk to each other when it got really noisy and windy. Uh, one memorable time during a triathlon, we were singing Octopus's Garden as we were zooming down a hill because okay. we were just bored. Uh, <laughs> you, you don't end up saying tons, but at the, you know, he would tell me if we were about to come up to things like railroad tracks so that you're standing up, you know, so to, to lessen the impact on, on pieces and parts that you'd rather not have get jostled around. Um, we would get some idea of the, you know, the hills coming up the terrain, et cetera. But I didn't want or need a lot of information cycling. I'm just going to pedal. I'm going to let the person that's in front worry about the gears. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to pedal. All right. That and, is a good segue on what I wanted to say. I never did um, tandem, but I did a lot of bicycle. Uh, I'm aware of all the, um, you know, the, um, uh, the um, how do you call it, um, the gear changing, etc. So in a tandem, um, your um, nothing changed on your side. Pretty much, is the person in front of you that is decided on the direction and the gear, right? Right. Okay. Right. And uh, what about the effort? Can can that person feel when you stop pedaling? Is um, oh yeah, he does. Okay. And I can feel if they stop pedaling. Okay. This is why you want to make sure that you've got someone who is, you know, as good of or better cyclist than you are, um, because I need for them not to be tired as we're going along. And, and Julian was a good cyclist. I may have been a better cyclist than Julian. Um, he was a better runner and swimmer. Um, but you, one of the things that you, that we used to judge our power, we had a, what's called a power meter and it shows how many watts you're generating. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I hired a coach for was to tell me what zone I wanted to stay in. And so like when we did Ironman Arizona, there was this long, long uphill. It was, a, it was an out and back three times. It was you know 40 miles each time or whatever. And so you, it was this little track. And there was this seven or eight mile gradual uphill that if you weren't careful, you'd blow your legs out because you didn't realize that you were going up and you would try to keep your speed. And so we had a power meter and th these numbers won't make any sense to, to most people, but Mike told us basically, do not ever go above 150, 160 watts. I don't care how slow you're going. Do not go above that or you're going to blow your legs out. Okay. And so Julian, part of what he would do was look at this little bike computer. And at one point we're going like, six seven miles an hour but we're staying in our wattage zones and then you'd get to the top of the hill and you'd fly you know coming back down and you'd make up for it but we had people who weren't using power meters who would just figure oh it's not that hard i'm just going to pedal a little harder and they were done for the run they yeah. were in for a long miserable day i can imagine so i looked again on the internet um, there is a few um facebook group and a few um uh, services online, even a few apps that uh, match you with people to uh, to do tandem. Um, there are. So it's a little bit easier to find those, even for marathon. It's actually a lot easier to find someone to uh, help you run, um, even compared to cycle. And But to find someone to swim is much more difficult. But anyway, um, I imagine that uh, this is how you find your partner in a way and another for, uh, for your cycle. And that's going to lead us to what you're trying to do next year. Uh, because, um, you know, when you do a triathlon, uh, you're done with your bicycle run and after what, an hour, an hour and a half? You, the, the, the bicycle takes some time. If you're doing a full, uh, an Ironman, if, yeah. now, if you're doing a shorter triathlon, if you're doing a full Ironman, you're on that bike for five and a half hours. All right. Right, um, before, right before four hours running. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four hours running if you're lucky. We were probably 440 by the by the you know by the by the time you finish up the running, the end of the run in a triathlon is ugly. 
Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, you're you're all exhausted. You're all creeping along. And, you know, it, it is just ugly. Yeah, um, of course. But, yeah, yeah, you're on the, you know, you're on that bike five and a half, maybe six hours, depending on what the terrain is like. Because it, it takes a while to, to, to go 112 miles. All right. We're going we're gonna to stay this way. Um, we're going to, there's probably a big difference. And I don't know how to transition from four or five hours to um, probably, I would say, 15 hours for 12 days. But there's no other ways. We're going to move on <laughs> to the uh, logistic, the training, and um, everything that you have, you have to work on and organize for what you're trying to do next year. 2024 is going to be in June. I guess the logistic is pretty much set up at this stage. You already prepared everything at least. Not from the training standpoint, but at least from the, um, the um, I would say, supporting actors, right? A lot of the, some of the supporting actors are in place. Some aren't. We, okay. uh, we will have a crew of about eight people. Um, that number may fluctuate, but it'll be somewhere around eight people that will follow us in a van and in an RV Okay. And this, the, the van will always be about 20 feet behind us. It's actually required. It's in the race regulations. Um, and the, the, that's for our safety uh, to, to keep other cars from, you know, zooming in, et cetera. It's also for our safety in that, like, one of the first decisions I had to make is my younger sister is our crew chief. And my younger sister has absolute power to order me off the bike at any time. Um, and my cat, tandem captain's wife uh, has, has that power with him. So that if we start looking loopy, we want to keep pushing, we start to look like we're unsafe. At a certain point, others are more competent to make decisions than we are. And so you assign someone sort of the ability to make intelligent decisions for you as this is going along. So uh, uh, to give a little bit more details, because um, I think we'll skip a little part here. The, um, the, the whole idea here is, so 3,000 miles in 12 days, that's 250 miles yeah. per day. You're doing what, uh, what speed per hour? Oh, parts of it are depending on the part of the, the country. You're, you know, if you're going to try to maintain a speed of about, you're not going to go over about 15 miles an hour. You're just so, not. If you do, you'll blow out your legs. So you're looking at 15 hours of a cycle a day? You're looking at it. 15? Yeah, something like, you know, it's, and, it, and it'll, you know, in the, in the mountains, you'll probably travel less and work just as hard because you're going uphill. And then in Kansas, it's, you know, you're, you're going to make up for it on the flats. Yeah. Um, but your whole goal is to ride as much as you can sleep when absolutely necessary um there you know but you want you want to stay in that zone to where you can actually finish this thing and, and so we, that that's why we have the rv when we you know when we conk out and need a couple hours of sleep we'll crash in the rv and uh this is an official ride right um, yes okay this is uh, so very have... official you can check it out at raceacrossamerica.org so this, they have rules uh, that you have to follow, which explain how many uh, the, how many people you need as a crew. Um, so eight they people... have rules for everything. They have rules telling you the, the rules get so comp get so detailed that they will tell you in some states you have to have a sign posted on your van saying that you're following a bike, and in other states you can be fined for having a sign on your van saying you're following a bike. So you've got to know where you are and what the rules are for the location, they change from place to place. All right, but still, eight people seems a lot. And at, yes, you have your sister, um, your partner has his uh, wife. This is for um, basically um, um, mental health if something goes wrong. Right. There's probably someone who is going to uh, spend 12 days changing tire and verifying very, very, very that the tandem is working fine. There's yes, a driver for the. There's a driver for the RV. Who else uh, do you need? A, a cook? Um, a massage you, guy? You do want a massage person. You want a okay. medical person. Um, okay. And you actually want, if possible, to have this set up in shifts so that you've got someone who's driving, say, in the daytime and then at night so that the person, so like if my sister has been up for 12 hours, she can go to sleep and you almost have like another person who's on duty. 
um, so that you almost can divide some of this up into two shifts. Um, and how much you know, this, I mean, this is not free. Oh, God, no. <laughs> so, how, so how did you, I mean, without going too much to details, how do you finance all this? I, the brutally honest answer to that is I don't know how we're going to finance all of this. This okay. is part of, part of what I'm doing at the moment is looking for corporate sponsors, crowdsourcing, donations, all of this stuff. I believe that we will make this work as time goes on. And that if I wait to have this financed before I do it, then I'll wait forever. And so I've gone ahead and thrown the switch and I'm like, I'm going to do this. I've got a guide. I've got some of my crew lined up. I'm looking for other crew. Um, I have a lot of the equipment and I'm just going to, I'm going to, it's almost like when you, when, when you start a business, you, part of it, you just have to go on faith that I am going to find a way to make this work. All right. Um, when I did my <laughs> when I uh, trained for my marathon, usually it's three or four months in advance, uh, and then you have to ramp up uh, the mileage. You know, you go. You you rarely have to go higher than 20 miles until the final. I would say few final week or two, but it's very right. rare that you go above 20. Uh, you just accumulate the mileage per week in order to get whatever you're looking for. Uh, this is for 26 miles. When you do a 3,000 miles, how do you rehearse this? There are several things that you do, and I am very lucky. The person that I'm doing this with is a, a, a guy named Jim Trout. Jim, who I found on the internet. Um, okay. <laughs> Jim has done this race three times as a solo on a bike. He is a, he is a, a cycling machine. He, he knows what he's doing. Uh, and so I've been listening to a lot of what Jim has been telling me to, to work into my training. Uh, so that when Mike, who's still my training coach, sets up training exercises. I will cycle over 10,000 miles this year in preparation for this. We will do a 440 mile race in October that we will complete in under 48 hours. That, uh, that'll be a, qualifi a qualifier for Race Against America. Okay. My, my guide or my tandem captain believes that it is not necessary to routinely ride longer than 100, 150 miles. He believes that the more important part is to ride those rides at different times of the day and to throw off your circadian rhythms so that don't always finish work and jump on a bike. But if it's like one, I can already tell like this, this summer, I will, I'll do rides where I start at midnight and I just ride all night um, and I'll be tired and I'll want to go to bed. And that's the whole point. Um, because what I'm is the longest, this way. What is the longest run you've done so far? Um, I've, I've, the longest I've done this year so far, and I've been training since January, is about a, is probably close to 130 miles. In one, uh, in one shot, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, do you plan on the, except that 400 uh, and something miles that you said, do you, do you plan on, on, the, on getting that up uh, eventually or is it going to stay yes. like the Okay. We, we will do some other events. Like there, there's a race that's, a, there's a, a ride across the state of Indiana, which is 160 miles across. I'm going to try, I'm trying to get someone to ride both ways with me. So we'll turn that into a 320 mile ride. Um, we will take a number of opportunities to do longer rides but we're you know ideally with this if you if you know if we didn't have things like jobs and have to pay bills um you would you know do a lot more races and you know i mean the the, the professionals who do this uh you know this is all they do this is what they get paid for um yeah. but it's not what i get paid for so you kind of make do with what you can get And so I ride six days a week. Uh, I've, I put in, you know, 250, 300 miles a week, um, which includes a, a nasty, massive ride on Saturdays. Today, I do not have a ride because I'm in, on the road and I'm at my son's wedding. And my wife made it very clear that I was not training today. Um, <laughs> so, you know, which would be good because my body could use the, the recovery time anyway but the, we'll, we'll get a lot of miles in the 3000 miles 
from west coast to east coast is pretty much set up in uh you know in stone because there's no way no way around but uh, right. who decided on the 12 days i don't know who decided on the 12 days i it is i it is in the race history and lore i don't i, I don't know this race has been going on for i don't know 40 or 50 years and I'm not sure who came up with it. I, it, it. Whoever, I guess it's also the same person who put an eight-hour time limit on a marathon. You know, okay. I don't know how these things come into being. Yeah. Okay. And um, so, for um, for those who would like to not try to do a three thousand miles, uh, but at the very least, those who are interested in uh, um, just trying, um, I'm guessing at the beginning they're not. We're not going to invest fifteen thousand dollars in a tandem bike. We're going to get a probably a cheap one and see how it goes. Do you have any um, any uh, advices for uh, for all of us who would try to uh, would love to actually do some cycle outside instead of at the gym or in the air conditioning or something like that? Before I bought a tandem, I would see if the a lot of bike shops have tandem bikes that they'll rent to you. Um, the what? Sorry, so a, a lot of bike shops where you can okay. rent bicycles will have tandem okay. bikes that you can rent. Oh, you can rent okay. so. So I I would I again I'd go back to the internet I would see if there's a tandem group in your city and if so I would become a member of their Facebook group I would see if a local bike shop rents tandem bikes and if they do I would rent a tandem and take it out for a spin a couple times um, you know b before sinking uh, sinking any money into this stuff um, what there are there's some little things to master with a tandem. Uh, one of them, and this sounds really basic, but it was one of the harder things that we learned was how to get started. Um, because you can't both just jump on the bike and start yes. pedaling at the same time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and so it takes a little bit of practice. And what we do is my, my tandem captain holds the bike still. I get my feet on the pedals. I use clip-in pedals. So, you know, I make sure that my feet are attached to the pedals. Um, we pedal once forward so that the bike is coasting. He gets his feet clipped into the pedals and then we start going together. And that's infinitely harder than most of the rest of the ride is <laughs> getting started. I am sure that the beginning, the, the, the pedal thing is much harder than the, 12, the, the, the 3,000 miles. I'm entirely sure and I believe you completely. <laughs> that, is, yeah, that, is, that is BS right there, Dave. Sorry, but that's well, BS. Well, it's hard because it's frustrating. And you're like, this ought to be simple. I get on a bike and I go. And you well, don't. Yeah. You have well, to yeah, practice but, I mean, it a little bit. And so from a coordination standpoint, it's harder than a lot of the yeah. rest of it. But you know, but you, I mean, hope, you, you get to where you know each other. It's like knowing a partner in a, it, it's like knowing a romantic partner. You, 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 you just get to where you know each other. You can feel what the other person is about to do. Yeah. Um, and when you have a good relationship with a guide, um, it, it, you, will, you will know more about each other than most human beings on earth should know about each other. You will see each other at your absolute best, your absolute worst you will see each other become thoroughly irrational and cranky. Um, you will see each other, I mean, you know, in, in marathons and triathlons and stuff, you know, someone's gonna dive into a porta potty along the way, which is gonna be stinky. Um, it, this is, I don't know how to describe it other than you, you will be as close as you can possibly be to someone and have it remain a platonic relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, 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 it's for the best and for the worst. I mean, I, I can only imagine. It is. You, you Again, you know, you're talking stuff. about, you know, your, your guide is going to see you, you know, rip your clothes off to get into your other yeah. clothes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the most difficult part, I think, for the blind community is to find the right partner uh, to come with you. Um, uh, and on top of that, it looks like for cycle more than anything else, you have to match uh, your uh, your leg power. You do. You want to match your 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 power. Um, in the, in the beginning, when you're going out, you just want to do this as a as a joy ride. It's not as important to be matched up super well if you're if you're doing a recreational ride as it is for us or, or for for me. Um, you know, I absolutely have to have someone who's a better athlete than me. Okay. Um, 
because they can't be as tired as I am because they've got to be able to function. Okay. I, um, now, um, you're going to start sometime in June. Uh, are you going to give us some uh, update as you, um, as you move on? How can we check on uh, yeah. your progress? And uh, if there is a sponsor that listened to us or would like to make a donation or anything like that, uh, where do they go? What can they do? You can go to my website, which is speedyturtle.net. That's just all spelled out, S-P-E-E-D-Y-T-U-R-T-L-E.net. We have a Facebook page that's uh, called Speedy Turtle Races Across America. There's a link to that off of our website. You can also email me at dave at speedyturtle.net, and I will add you to our mailing list and to uh, our, you know, whatever groups you'd like to be a part of. But we will be having regular updates. Um, and during Jim, the race? Do you have anything uh, prepared during the race, a video a report? Or, oh, yeah. Uh, we're going we're to do some live Facebook streams. Uh, we've, there's, we've, we've gotten some media interest where some folks are interested in talking to us during the race. Um, my guess is that that will be the most interesting part of this because as the race goes on, we'll start, we'll start hallucinating and becoming less and less attached to reality. And the interviews might get really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, good. Well, I hope that you are uh, going to keep us uh, uh, in touch. I will certainly check on you and give an update as you progress. Um, as far as donation or sponsor or anything like that, the same way. We uh, either contact you directly or go to your website, right? Yes, please. Okay. Is there anything you want to add? You spend a lot of time, almost two or three hours with the little mishap we have last, uh, last week uh, to, uh, to, to, to talk to us about it. Is there anything that I missed that uh, you wanted to share? Oh gosh, not that I can think of other than when you, if you're going to commit to something like this and, and, and you're, you're starting out committing to something much smaller, you know, I mean, you know, a 5k, a 10k or, you know, whatever, uh, don't set unreasonable goals in the beginning. There are plenty of, there's plenty of time for unreasonable goals later. Make sure that what you set out to do in the beginning, you can accomplish so that you can chalk that off your list and say, yay, I did that. And then start thinking bigger. Don't go for it all at once. All right. Yeah. I uh, learned that the hard way. The first, uh, probably your first marathon also, you make, you make that mistake once, but you don't do it twice. You know, my first marathon was the fastest marathon I ever ran, and oh, really? I never, I never came close to it after that. Ah, well, maybe I'm better than that because I, uh, the mine was very slow, and then as I, uh, I piled them up, they were getting better and better and better. Uh, but the first one was a never-ending uh, uh, story. I was like, I put myself in the front line. It was a big mistake. Uh, so I learned, I learned a lot on the on the first one. But yeah, that's good to know. Um, so. Uh, on the next episode, we're going to probably talk about marathon. I have a lot of questions, especially since I'm the one who this time is going to be, um, to be hitting the, the, the floor. But uh, you have your wedding to go first. So thank you very much for um, your time, uh, Dave. Um, I will share your um, uh, information on our website and on uh, our Twitter um, page so that people can contact you directly. Uh, there have been a few questions that I'm gathering, and I'll send you an email with a question directly. And then uh, when I get the answer, we'll probably talk about that next time. Or if it's, if it's later down the road, uh, I can answer that directly on the show. Um, they are related to the, uh, the price of the uh, tandem bike. Some people, um, $3,000, $4,000 is a lot of money, and uh, I'm not entirely sure that they really need it. Uh, if it's um, you know casual uh, tandem riding, but we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about that when the um, when uh, further down the line. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, for all of you guys, if you um, have info uh, question, if you have um, if you want to do the same thing, like I said, not necessarily three thousand miles, or if you need more advice, send us uh, our email and, uh, and all your questions, and then we'll try to figure out how to best answer them. Thank you, Dave. Um, Thank you. Thank you for everybody over there. Uh, say hi to your son. I guess tonight's going to be a big night for him. And then uh, I'll see you next will. time. All right. All right. That sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.
Hey everyone, if you have a suggestion for a future show, if you have a question, if we made a mistake and we need to fix something, or even if you have a, an idea for a guest for a future episode, don't hesitate to contact us directly. There are three ways to do this right now. The first one is directly on our website, www.blindsanity.com. Click on contact us and fill up the form. The second way is to send us an email or a voicemail at blindsanitypodcast at gmail.com. And the third and final way for the moment is on Twitter at our Twitter page at Blind Sanity Pod in one word, Blind Sanity Pod. We're looking forward to hearing from you very, very soon. This is it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed the final part of Dave Wilkinson's interview and that you got some inspiration uh, to go outside and maybe swim or maybe try a tandem bike. It is not uh, impossible for people who are blind or people who are low vision to actually do a lot of the activities that people with uh, good eyesight can do every day. Running, bicycle or cycling, this is all the same. All you need is a little bit of preparation, a little bit of gears and um, well, the right body. You need the right body, the right partner to run, the right partner to go for a swim or uh, to ride a bike. Talking about run, next week is going to be a special episode, the first of a multi-episode series about my own journey to run a marathon as a blind person. I used to run a few marathons in the past uh, as a sighted person. This will be the first time uh, I run one as a blind person. So we'll share a few tips, a few advices. Uh, I also update you on my progress as I get as I move forward to the, uh, the, the date of the marathon. We'll also invite Dave back. He uh, ran a few marathons, a few dozen marathons actually, and he will have a lot of tips for all of you guys. Who would like to start running outdoor, uh, maybe for a 10K, maybe a half marathon, or maybe a full marathon? This is it for this week. I hope you have a nice end of the week, and we'll see you next time. This is a BLS production.